BizarreNewWorld.com. Go check this out immediately. There is a preview of Bizarre New World, which is this really super fucking cool comic about a guy who can fly. He's the world's first flying man. Unfortunately, his status as the only flyer changes immediately when the entire human race joins him in the sky and the whole world changes. This is a great graphic novel, and I'm usually not into graphic novels, but this one is super fun and easy to read. It's 278 pages, and it's beautiful. All the artwork is really, really cool. So it's definitely worth checking out. And right now they have a Kickstarter going on this month in May. So search for Bizarre New World at Kickstarter and help them make it. And if they get it successfully funded, you'll be able to get it digital uh, or in paperback. And if the campaign is ending shortly. It ends on May 28th. So they really need your help. All you need to do is visit BizarreNewWorld.com. That's B-I-Z-A-R-R-E NewWorld.com and get more info. Check it out. It's a fantastic graphic novel. If that's your thing, this is going to be up your alley, I promise. It's Reading Aloud. Welcome back. I'm your host, Nate Cordry. We are, we've arrived at another book club episode. Uh, we've read Toni Morrison's God Help the Child, which is very different from uh, our previous selections, which makes it all the more exciting to talk about. I had such a huge response on the emails. Uh, thank you guys for writing in. We had so many emails about the book. Lots of different opinions. Uh, they varied. They were all over the place. People loved it. People were confused. People were moved. Um, I'm really excited to get into the discussion for this one. And I have three folks uh, sitting uh, around a table with me. Picture that in your mind, listener. Uh, we have some, uh, some, some folks who are here uh, for the second or third time. Kevin Alcuni's back for the third time, Hello. first as an interviewee, mm -hmm. and now as a, the second time being in the book club. It's true. I feel like you were here for Love Affairs and Nathaniel P. The, yeah, that was the book I recommended to you. Yes, and yeah, we read it. And we had a very vigorous discussion. Yes, we about did. blowjobs and <laughs> the like. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. That being, that's all I remember yeah. from that book. But, well, is, is, that, is that bad? Yeah, that's yeah. a bad. That means you didn't like the book, I think. Uh, Kevin used to work at Skylight Books in Los Feliz, but now has a fancy new job. That's true. As a librarian. That's true. Start tomorrow. Holy cow. So Are you anxious or excited? It's weird. It's uh, First day of school. First day. I have no idea what's going to happen. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's weird. It's a lot of anxiety. It's a lot coming at you. I just did like three intensive days so of training. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. What was the main thing that you took from those three days of training? The main thing, stay calm. Uh, people will help you. And uh, I don't know. Just uh, I'm just trying to take it all in. It sounds like you're going to war. Yeah. I, I kind of feel like it with my, <laughs> my library science coat and right. uh, armed with a reference guide to a thing. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, you, your master's is in library sciences, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. So this is this is going to be your home. This is where you. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, we'll see. It's exciting. It is exciting. I'm gonna, we should have you back on to talk about the transition from. Oh, that would be got, crazy. Yeah. Um, or maybe not. Maybe it'd be super boring. And uh, I doubt it. Okay. There's a whole new level of homeless when you're working at a <laughs> <public> library. <laughs> it's the next level. To, it's the top level. Yeah. 
So. What, sorry, what branch do you work at? I'm going to start tomorrow at Pio Pico in Koreatown. So... So head on down there, folks. Yeah, crossing my fingers. You can't see it on the podcast, but that's me (laughs) crossing my fingers. Uh, Elle Woods is back. Hi, Elle. I'm back. Elle was here again for the uh, Love Affairs and Nathaniel P. Book Club. And I'm so glad that you you came back to us. a lot about blowjobs. It was just a book about blowjobs. It was, yeah. It was the Love Affairs of... (laughs) There was a lot of blowjob negotiating, I felt like, in that book. I guess that's a big part of your early 20s, figuring out negotiating (laughs) blowjobs. Right? Maybe? I don't know. Yeah. Maybe not. Blogotiations. <laughs> right. That's what we said, right? right? Yeah. Uh, that, has to, that has to be in, like, Urban Dictionary someday, right? I, we can put it in. Let's, or I'm Wikipedia. sure that's the way we that can make, like, website an entry. works. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you, Elle, for Let's coming take it back. Over hand. Yeah, of course. Thank you for um, having me back. Yeah, please. And we have a new guest uh, who is a complete newcomer to the Reading Aloud book club experience. Oh, Emily. Hi. Welcome. Thank you. Uh, you came so highly recommended by Susanna Fogel. She just went on and on about you. That's very sweet. I love Susanna Fogel. S- she's the best. Uh, Susanna was in the book club last month for uh, Tender's the Night, and we've also read pieces of Susanna's at the live show. By the way, the next live show is at the UCB, the second Sunday in June, the 14th of June, so come and check that out at 7.30 at the UCB. Um, since you're the newbie, Emily, I'm just going to put you on the spot oh, no. right away. This, what I usually do is go around the circle and have everyone just give just a general basic response to the book. You don't have to go into much detail. Oh, we'll spin into detail as we get into uh, to the rest of the, the chat. But your thoughts on God Help the Child. My thoughts on God Help the Child. I, um, I found this book very moving. I really enjoyed it. I... Um, it's not the most uplifting book in the world. No. I thought, um, you know, it's funny because I want to say, like, the language was so beautiful. And then I feel like such an idiot. Like, uh, let me compliment Toni Morrison's <laughs> la- Like, have you guys, have I, you guys heard boy, of this Toni Morrison woman? It's a, yeah, it's a hard. Like, just, just check her out. Oh, I she think good? she's she, going places. Oh, she might, um, she might do something. That's one of the difficult things I agree about this book club is that it's hard to... I mean, whatever, you can have any sort of response, art is subjective, you can like it or not like it, but it's hard to question someone who's won a Nobel Prize, yeah. you know, and a Presidential yeah. Medal of Freedom. You can still have an opinion about the work, Absolutely, of course, yeah. of course, Hopefully. but it makes it a little more complicated. That's what, yeah. yeah, I'm just hoping we're allowed to have honest opinions about her work, right? I think we should. Or I in guess. Our, let's see. I right. guess. Yeah. Um, um, but I did, I found it very moving, and I just thought the, I mean sort of obviously it's a lot about childhood trauma yeah it's about the effects of of sort of what parents do to children what parents don't do to children Mm -hmm. and how we as children or anyone as children sort of carry the scars of what has been done to us into adulthood and um i did i I found it i found it really moving and there were areas of the book where i wished there had been a little more Um, me too and maybe we'll get into that but absolutely um yeah in general I, i cool that's my first impression. Yeah. Kevin, what was your uh, first impression? I feel bad. I, I finished it, and I was just kind of – I closed it, and I thought about it for a little bit. And I was like, that's it? I, I don't know. I, I felt like I was expecting more. And it was – you know, it was fine. I mean, I read a lot, too, so I don't want to, like – hmm, I don't know. I, I just finished it, and I just – I didn't feel particularly moved. There were parts where I was, like, really engaged with it, but overall, I just – I don't know. It, it didn't. It didn't really register a yeah. lot with me. It felt. It just felt like okay. That was cool. I mean, 
I don't know. There wasn't. I, I felt like substantively there was going to be more. Like I kept expecting a bigger payout from a lot of themes. Yeah. I remember when I read Beloved and um, in college, and that book really fucking blew me away. Yeah, same here. And so I, I haven't read anything since then of hers. So when I read this, I was expecting a similar sort of build up and then payoff. And when mm-hmm. I got to the end, I was just like, oh, that's just kind of like a regular story. Mm-hmm. There's nothing. I, I, I just thought there'd be more meat to it. You felt it was a little surface. Yeah, but not surface. I just, because I, I feel like she does go in depth in some ways, but I just, I don't know. I just, like, um, if we're going to get into it, like the Brooklyn character, I just, I really wasn't feeling at all the, the best friend. Yeah. And she even had her own chapters and stuff. And I was just like, okay, that's cool, but. Why are we going here? Yeah, I don't know what it added to the to the conversation of the book. Yeah. And so... I, I, I agree with that. I didn't know what we were supposed to make of that relationship. Yeah, because yeah. it seemed like, is she a backstabber or is she really her friend? I mean, there was a sh- very short passage where she's like, you know, I, I made it out on my own and then it kind of roughly goes to her history like lickety split. Her chapters are all so short. Yeah. yeah. But even hers, I think it was just one or two and it was just like the, the, the smallest part of her history that was like uh, I kind of almost wish we could have gotten a little bit more into that because I was just a little bit curious as to like is she a true friend is she a backstabber like you know and her like that her history of of abuse with through her uncle was one sentence it was a sentence and a half Mm -hmm. and then just kept and it moved right on and I was like that's it that's all we're okay this is Toni Morrison's doing this in a very conscious way I'm just not exactly sure why I don't know Mm -hmm. if it worked for me then I guess that's the case yeah. yeah Ellie. Yeah. Um, I, similarly, I felt like it was a very quick read and um, picked it up and then it was over. It was uh, yeah. uh, an enjoyable story, but I, yeah, I, um, uh, it was, it, I'm happy to have read a Toni Morrison novel that I was like, uh, picked it up, read it, and then it was over. It was, I, I guess I under, I was expecting a lot more out of it. Yes. And then, uh, the and re- then it was over. Was, yeah. The reviews have been, like, spectacular. Really? Oh, have they? I yeah. haven't read any of the reviews mm-hmm. They have. Yet. And everything on Goodreads and Amazon is, like, four stars, and people are loving this book. So I went in anticipating this sweeping, mm-hmm. moving, you know, piece of art. And like you, Ellie, it sort of just, it came, it went, you know, it went very quickly, and then it was over. And I was left with a lot of, like, a lot of heavy topics and, and themes to consider. Mm-hmm. But I feel like she just sort of placed them on the table and didn't say, let's spend some time. Absolutely. I mean, it's 175 yeah. pages. Yeah. Barely. And short chapters. Mm-hmm. And Very short chapters. And I, I feel I, like a lot of moments touched me and I felt um, moved by, you know, like the character of Bride I really enjoyed. And um, I loved, like, in, I guess similarly to the, the way she affects people in the book, she affected me. Like her beauty, mm. the description of her beauty, I was really attracted to, mm-hmm. um, which was uh, entertaining to read about. But for the most part, for the book, I was like, I, I felt like I didn't understand who was writing the book. I was like, is this I've, really Toni mm-hmm. Morrison writing this book? Right. I, I'm very surprised. It felt a little insincere, ingenuine, right. disgenuine sometimes. Right. Um, 
especially the young parts, like her trying to write like a young person was very interesting. Yeah, oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah, huh. You mean Rain, Rain's chapters? Rain's chapter, when Brooklyn, when Brooklyn and Bride get together and have like girl talk, I was like, what yes. is happening? That's so funny. <laughs> I have no clue what they're talking about. It's so about. funny you say that because I, you know, Toni Morrison is 84 years old. Yeah, and, exactly. And, is she that old? Yeah. yeah. Holy smokes. And, you know, I'm sure... Uh, just the vernacular was like I felt like a little forced or like when when they're having that lunch or those drinks and yeah. the handsome waiter was around and they're like mm-hmm. oh right with the suspenders yeah, and yeah. shirtless yeah. yeah I just I <laughs> that's just, it's, it was a little clunky yeah for me um, but I think I think we're all sort of on the same page I think we maybe expected more yeah. Um, anticipated more, but I, you know what's interesting though, is, and I really do agree about like the certain relationships, like the Brooklyn, and like I, I felt like there were things just sort of put out there on the page, and I didn't totally know what to make of them. But things that I really did feel like genuinely moved by were the the sweetness, the bride mm-hmm. characters. I thought were probably the two best developed, but their relationship. I just, I guess, sort of you're introduced to bride as this character who is is raised without affection or love and just yeah. craves it so desperately and we see very early on sort of the one of the devastating consequences of this which is you know she she sends an innocent woman to prison and and it's all just out of this desperate need for this affection she never got and I I, I sort of thought that was tracked throughout the book in a way that I, I found very compelling I feel like you mm-hmm. it's hard not to villainize sweetness you get a little regret from her at the end but I, I feel like certainly my heart went out to bride and her sure. then then was her, is it Booker? Her? Booker, yeah. yeah. And then you sort of get his his backstory and this weight of his brother's death he's been carrying around. I thought, I thought those those elements were woven nicely. I yeah, I mean the overall theme it seems of this book is children either being able or unable to um, negotiate and get past former traumas and how those traumas affect them in adulthood and affect every decision that they make in their life, whether it's love or career or whatever. Mm-hmm. And we all, it's, it seems like all of these, I mean, the title of the book is God Help the Child. So it seems like child, this vulnerability in children and how, uh, how parents take advantage of children and how we have to get over the past. See, basically. but I, I, I get, yeah, and I, I agree with the themes that there was a good I, idea, but I just didn't feel like it broke any new ground. Like the idea, mm-hmm. like the trauma that you experience in childhood will carry on through all your life. I'm like, well, I mean, not to say that it's kind of cliche, but doesn't, don't most adults kind of know fundamentally like that's a thing? Yeah, yeah. And I, mm-hmm. I just, I just, as I was yep. going, I'm like, okay, is it going to explore some idea that I haven't thought of? Has she really meditated on this idea, like right. the traumas that occur? And then, I mean, there are, there is a bunch of bad shit that occurs, but I just felt like, I, I guess, I guess that was the thing about the payoff. I was like, I thought we were going to explore this super intensely in mm-hmm. a way that I hadn't thought of because, you know, that's her job is to go on these themes and then try and uh, uh, explore these ideas. And I yeah. just, I didn't feel like she did it enough for me. Yeah. I, I'm curious why she wrote this book. Yeah. Um, and I also, when I, re- and when I finished the book and the last word was God help, the last few words were God help the child. Mm-hmm. I was like, maybe she just had that phrase stuck in her head and was like, okay, <laughs> I have three words. <laughs> um, I need, now I need to put the whole book together. 
She was watching that Bell and Sebastian movie, God mm. Help the Girl. Yeah. And she was like, hmm, if I, I change one I word. I would love to see the YouTube video of her doing that and then like just going to the typewriter and She's starting. a huge Bell and Sebastian yeah, fan. Yeah, I sure. can see it. Yeah, I wish this epitaph had a long, that's the correct word, right? Epitaph is the yes. description. Of, I wish Kevin, it, yes. Kevin, yeah. Kevin, is that correct? Kevin, the, what, what are we doing? The the part where the author uh, de- dedicates. I think, yes. it's just, I think it's called the dedication page. The dedication page? I really? think so. I mean, I don't know. Okay, watch it be epitaph and. Okay, I'm not. I'm not denying that it's not. <laughs> I wish. This, I wish. I really wish this had more. It's just for you, and I wish that I knew who you was. I kind of. I. I actually kind of love that because that's the first time I've ever seen that, and I thought. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh well, it's me. Oh, thank you. Uh-huh. Thank it's you, Sonny Morrison. Sure. Exactly. She, yeah. she, wrote, this, she wrote a this, book for us. This gift to all her readers, That's as opposed to, you, do you think it's hidden that it's actually like some daughter of hers? Oh, that yeah. Is, it's like, she's like, she and her daughter had a fight. And, right. You know, and she's trying to impart this kind of wisdom that, or this this fact that you know parents are just old children trying to do their best on right. her. And, you know, that's what I felt. Right. Like that's interesting. Huh. Yeah, I wonder why why she did write this book and what, what got her to this point? Like mm. her her feelings on children, and she must I mean God. There isn't a character in here that didn't suffer some kind yeah. of abuse. Yeah, as a child. Mm-hmm. I mean, Booker. Uh, I guess it wasn't abuse, but losing his brother. Brooklyn was abused. Um, uh, uh, I don't know. Maybe sw- sw- does sweetness get into it? I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, because she comes out as like an adult, doesn't she? I mean, she's mm-hmm. first introduced as an adult with the baby. Sweetness. Yeah. 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 I just think I, it is. It, it it did grab me that with with within two pages, a mother was embarrassed and ashamed of her baby. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I've never heard that. That's true. That's some. That's something I've never uttered from a from a mother saying, this thing that just came out of me is too black and I am ashamed of it mm-hmm. and embarrassed. I think she says embarrassed. And with her doing that within two pages, I thought, oh, sh- oh shit, we're going to get into some stuff here. Right. Uh, let's, let's dig and mm, negotiate yeah. uh, a mother being ashamed of a newborn. I didn't think that was, besides having like postpartum depression, I didn't know that that was something that a woman could feel. And to have her say that, that that sort of empowered me. I was like, oh, okay, this is, we're going to talk about some difficult things here. But uh, it just didn't, it didn't Mm -hmm. continue that Mm -hmm. promise. Yeah. Um, But I did like, I want to ask you guys about the uh, sparseness of her words and sentences. It seems, it's almost like Hemingway, like every sentence, there isn't more than 13 or 14 words. It's very quick. She barely uses commas. And I found like, I think to me it seemed like a level of confidence. Maybe it was a specific voice that she took for this book. I don't know. I haven't read a lot of her other stuff. Mm-hmm. But it seems like she uses 10 words in a sentence that another writer would use 35 words. And I feel like she has this confidence of saying, I can describe this feeling and what's happening with this character in 10 words. I don't need any more. I don't need to add on. I, there's no, I'm going to trim all the fat and just get right to the point. Mm-hmm. Right. And... I like that. I like the speed of which this book sort of clipped along. Um, and I wondered if that was a specific choice on her part for this book or if that was something that is that sort of a theme that she always uses. But I don't know if we can answer that because none of not. I mean, yeah, I don't remember. I don't remember uh, this sort of clipped style of writing in Beloved. I remember that being a little more lyrical. But, you know, that was like 20 years ago and I read that. Um, 
But I enjoyed I enjoyed the style because it made the reading a little more enjoyable, which yeah. is why the letdown was so palatable for me. Yeah. Because I, I was like, oh, I'm kind of flying through this about halfway through. I'm like, oh, I don't know if – I hope it's going to pay off. And then when yeah. I got to the last, like, part five, and then we get to the trailer and all that, I was just like, oh. Yeah. There's going to be a really good last chapter. And then I read the last <laughs> chapter and I was like, oh. <laughs> That's okay. Nope. I think that's the style is interesting, but I think it, it does her a disservice because it means that I I feel like I don't know the characters. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like some some uh, an emotional distance, I guess. It was really interesting the way uh, I guess we know Brooklyn's race because you know they they describe her as like sheet white occasionally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And She's we know white blonde. Uh, dreads. It dreads. Yeah. yeah. Dreads. Yeah. Um, and we, or I guess we don't know her race, but we know her skin color. And we know, um, we know Bride, obviously, because they make such a big deal about her blue-black skin. But I feel like I didn't know the race of anybody else in the novel, which was, which was interesting. Yeah, I was questioning, I was, I, I assumed Booker was black, but I didn't. Yeah. I assumed Booker was white. Oh, really? Oh, shit, amazing. Wow. Yeah, that's interesting. What made you, um, yeah. think he was, uh, he was white? Um... His like white man problems, I think. I don't right, know. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not exactly sure. I just assumed that he was white, and I think when we met the queen later, uh, later when we meet the queen, um, mm-hmm. that's when I was like, oh yeah, he's definitely white. Oh wow! Oh, wow. See, I thought yeah, the exact I went. Opposite. I went the other yeah, way too. So, huh. Yeah, that's interesting. so interesting. Hmm. But it could still. I mean, emotionally, it doesn't really matter. I, no, I don't it doesn't. Think. Matter. Yeah, but well, that, see, I, I think it does matter because there's so much. I mean, and again, this is an impossible conversation mm-hmm. for three whiteies and an Asian guy to go into. There is not I'm a person. Technically half black. I'm so sorry. No, it's okay. Um, it's okay. <laughs> Because your your skin, your I have white skin, yes. Which yes. is why I say you know Brooklyn could be black, but she has. White yeah, skin. exactly. Mm-hmm. I because there's this idea of blackness that is in throughout the book that I'm basically unable to comment on because I don't I I have white skin, right? And but there's different levels of blackness that good like when the baby comes out, she's too black, right. too sweetness. But um, later, Booker. Um, and who knows if he is black or white, but he loves, um, he's really drawn to her. Let me see if I can find this paragraph. I feel like it's, yeah, it's page 133. Whether he was lying under her body, hovering above it, or holding her in his arms, her blackness thrilled him. Mm-hmm. So first it's revealed that her blackness is, is, is shaming and embarrassing to her mother, but then her blackness becomes her strength because she's so beautiful. She wears all these white clothes and right. everyone is drawn to this, to her natural beauty. And the same thing happens with Booker, but it sort of changes. And it seems like there, in the first paragraph, Sweetness, Sweetness talks about like levels of blackness and what is a good level of blackness and what right. isn't. And that's a conversation and a debate that I didn't even know existed, huh. living the life that I live. Hmm. Um, so that was really interesting, but again, I wanted I wanted more. I wanted more people yeah. to mm-hmm. talk about it and debate the mm-hmm. levels yeah, of it. Cla- I think that's like a classic classic debate. You know, yeah. the lighter the skin, the more beautiful. Um, uh, and also, I think it's I think that that was really interesting that that Booker did say that because he has such an emphasis on how race and skin doesn't actually matter at all. Right. And you know, you're empowering the person. When right. You talk, yeah, that was one of his big things. It. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's also um, used as a weapon. I mean, um, she's had many men date her, I'm sure, that have used her blackness as a weapon. 
for against her, their family or oh, right yeah. the, yeah, the, the mm-hmm. boyfriend who that's right who, who brought her home mm-hmm. to like make the parents mad exactly and the parents were like overly yeah that's stuff I found really interesting and I kind of wish there had been more of an exploration about a lot of those aspects yeah and yeah. I just I felt like when she got there I was like oh okay this is where it's gonna start to like really dwell you know burrow into it and then it was kind of because maybe it also was part of the writing style. It's like because it's so sparse, she wanted to like draw a very broad picture and then have you fill in all the details. But I just felt mm. like they were mm. so broad because I mean that is a style that you know writers will employ. Where it's like they 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 uh, use a very big canvas and then you fill in all the little cracks. And I feel like right. that might have been what her intention was, but I just felt like they were so broad that it didn't leave me enough to kind of bring in a lot of those uh, yeah. moments. Yeah. So. We're going to take the, uh, the quickest break, and we'll be right back with more. You're listening to Reading Aloud. Student loans. Yuck. What a drag. Wait a minute. Check out meetearnest.com. Hold on. Hold on. Maybe your issues with student loans can be solved. Did you know that you can refinance your student loans, save thousands, and make the whole process incredibly easy to manage? One of my sponsors here, Ernest, has created the first radically flexible refinancing experience that can save you thousands on your loans and puts you in control. Never charges any fees. You can set your own terms, change the payment amount and date. If you need to skip a payment, you can do that. Just have to go to meetearnest.com. It'll never pass you off to a third party, which is great, which is rare these days. And their on-site team... Uh, for customer service is spectacular. And they'll be there throughout the life of the loan. No matter how much you have to to pay off, they will always be there helping you through this process. It takes less than two minutes to find out how much you could save by switching. And they have a special offer for the Reading Aloud listeners. That's you. You get $150 cash back when you refinance through meetearnest.com slash Nate. Don't forget that slash Nate part. So don't get stuck paying more than you have to. MeetErnest.com slash Nate and take control of your rates today. We're back with more reading aloud. Uh, we were talking about Toni Morrison's God Help the Child. And I had so many great responses uh, from my listeners. Ashley, Tessa, uh, Matt. Oh my God, so many emails. Whoa. Rob. They're all were very specific and opinionated and wonderful. And I want to Please encourage uh, all of you guys to write in and share your thoughts about the book. Um, I want to start with Ashley here. One thing I couldn't quite make myself get past was the apparent regression of bride's body. Hmm. We haven't haven't talked about this. This is a fun topic. I was totally on board in the beginning and was happy to think of it as a sort of Birdman-esque hallucination until Morrison brought it to the forefront and explicitly noted bride's wondering if and fearing that she was turning back into a little girl somehow. I think that would have been better left for us to gather and wonder about on our own. Mm -hmm. It seemed like the return of her more womanly features had something to do with bride's confession that she accused an innocent woman and her mother's role in that. But the way the confession happened made it feel more like her features return because she got the guy back. I wonder if maybe it wouldn't have made more of an impact if she'd confessed to Queen Olive instead. Um, I think that is exactly right. I'm not mm-hmm. sure. I'm super which, spot on with that too. Yeah. I feel like, thank you Ashley for running in. I yeah. think you're exactly right. I'm not sure which one it is. It, it wasn't explicit to me like, okay, she's, she's um, revealed this 
awful that she put this woman in this innocent woman and in, uh, sent her to prison to please her mother. Now that she's gotten that off her chest, she's able to regain her femininity or grow back into a woman. Or was it because she finally faced the fear of like, this guy said no to her and she didn't accept no for an answer, fought back, found her courage and, re- and finally revealed some sh- and like got him to love her mm-hmm. And then she turned, and I was like, "If that's the message, that's a I fucked think, up message." I think that's what it. That's what I. That's what I as. felt as well. That it was yeah. Booker, not her, um, unburdening herself. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's like, uh, I totally agree that she shouldn't have said, "Am I turn?" That that I would have appreciated it more had she left it up to her, our own interpretation that she was returning to a black child. But I actually, I when she lost her breasts, I didn't seemed strange to me. I felt like that is maybe something that happens to people when they're not, you know, like, mm. loved or, like, you know, like, women's bodies changes when they have babies or um, when they, you know, or, you know, certain It wasn't supernatural to you. It didn't seem that supernatural. You yeah. know, she's going through a trauma. But when she got her boobs back just miraculously, I was like, oh, this is so strange. Yeah. Girl got her boobs back? What happened? Right. How yeah. did that, how did that just happen like that? Yeah. That's, I, yeah. When that was introduced, I also had the same sort of question. It was like right, the timing was that she and Booker had just split. She was about to go make amends to this right. woman. I had initially interpreted it as it was like the the making of amends, and which is like in it in and of itself when you sort of realize it later. But such a childish like the idea that she can go to this woman who she put mm-hmm. in prison and like win her over with mm-hmm. with some money and some cosmetics was like <laughs> I thought I thought that it was no, but in like a nice way, it was like sort of a childish act to begin with so I, I thought that's what we were following and it actually took me a little while to realize it was a hallucination I think at first when it says like her pubic hair was gone I thought it's like I almost don't know if it's physical and then it's as a hallucination well as as the book pro- or as it progressed I don't know you know yeah. it, but it's like oh yeah when it starts off though but I understand like yeah. me too I was like oh, yeah. oh is she is she, is she uh, having delusions yeah exactly yeah, and she's so traumatized yeah. and distressed and then she's... after a while it's like no that's this is her reality yeah. yeah and I did find again I thought like I was enjoying it as it was happening I mean in the book just because I thought it was like at least to me I interpreted it as like her her frailty her vulnerability almost Mm -hmm. like how thin her idea of herself as an adult was and it it sort of made her so sort of weak and vulnerable as a character but I completely agree that then when all of a sudden her breast came back it it was like it was very it was a, a Disappointment. <laughs> yeah, that, that adds all again to like the like the payoff of like a lot of the writing itself I was just like oh I thought it would just be more and when it wasn't when I mean for me I interpreted it as like she got back with Booker, and then her body came back. Mm-hmm. And, like, the confession was a secondary thing. And it's hmm. like, well, that's just, that's not great. I mean. Yeah, that's, that sounds a very weird. Specific. Or just, yeah, just, I don't know, disappointing or just. Yeah. I just, I just ho- was hoping for more, and it was more of the same. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I don't want that from Toni Morrison. Mm-hmm. No, exactly. Um, Matt wrote in, he said, I am completely baffled by this book. God help the child. I haven't read any of her other work, though I'm led to believe that this work is slightly unusual in comparison to the rest of her output. Looking back on my experience with the book, I'm struck by the fact that its author has lived for six decades more than I have. I'm left feeling that there is a wealth of life experience that I am missing that prevents me from digesting this book. 
It felt like reading a fairy tale or maybe a parable whose intentions were veiled from me. It left so many plot threads hanging and so many points seemingly left half made that I felt lost from Bride's accident and whiskey through the completion of the book. It made me want to speak with the author to figure out what her intentions were. I know readers often say that a book wasn't for me, but I think it's just the reverse for me. I enjoyed it, but I don't think I'm at a point in my life that I am for this book. I say that not to criticize the author or the work, but to suggest that the missing elements are not of the text, but of myself. Uh, I don't. I don't agree with that, Matt. I yeah. think I. You're okay, Matt. Yeah, yeah Matt, I think you're doing great. You're, you're, you read a book <laughs> and you wrote in a letter. <laughs> I, I really. I think that's less. That's more about you not jiving with the book and the book not being for you, as opposed to you not having enough wisdom or enough life experience to get a book. You don't have to be, I mean, reading Catcher in the Rye at 17 is a different experience than reading Catcher in the Rye mm -hmm. at, you know, 65. But if the writing is good and the storytelling is good and you're compelled by it, it doesn't matter how old you are. That's, this is on Toni Morrison and not on you. He's giving the book more credit. Yeah, you he, are, exactly. Yeah. And, and it, like we all did before we started reading this, this is Toni Morrison. Yeah, yeah. This is the first mm -hmm. book that she's written that was set like in the current, you know, in today. Right. Uh, that's um, maybe what it was. Maybe one of my main issues with this book is that it's set today and um, the slang is like so old. Right, yeah. Not even 90s old. Like, what did she say? You need blingo? Do you guys remember that part? Yes, I don't know what that means. <laughs> yes. When they're at the bar. When with they're the, at the bar. Yes. She's like, you don't need bingo. You need blingo. It's like, am I, am I missing so I didn't know so what that much? was either. Yeah. And then chapter end, right? <laughs> or he, the waiter brings them something. And then <laughs> I didn't mind. I mean, it was just like, well, okay, I guess people talk differently and in different areas. Um, I think he said yeah. fairy tale. Fairy tale is kind of a cool. Yeah, way I mean to that would be a great there idea. Were, there were like in terms of plot, some like when she's lost in the woods, and then that that those hippies in in, in like logging country find her. Yes. So, I mean, it was yeah. like this is a this is a real. Where are we going? Yeah, I, it oddly was like a fairy tale. Structure. Absolutely, there is there is like a very surreal element to this entire book that I enjoyed. Like I didn't think we were going from very like gritty realism to some sort of bizarre right. surreality and it it wasn't jarring to me it was kind of fun I like the I, I really like the character of Rain this little girl mm -hmm. yeah who came from I was like is she magic is she yeah. a magic person right <laughs> and then it sort of revealed that she's not oh. she just has lived this horrible I loved her chapter too her short yeah. little chapter was so heartbreaking. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I felt like I really understood that character, even though that chapter was so short. I felt like she did a wonderful job using sparsity of language yeah. to totally encapsulate this small human that and I understood. Horror. Yeah, and yeah. the horror, yeah. It was more honest, it felt like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I love that chapter, too. Yeah, mm -hmm. that was one of the chapters where I felt like where she did successfully like pro, uh, paint a broad picture, and then you filled in all the mm -hmm. horrible gaps. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Mary writes in uh, from overseas. Hi, Mary. Thank you so much for writing in. She had lots of great points. Um, the one that jumped out for me, the, rap, uh, the rapid jumps away from the real interesting bits in the narrative. I wanted to hear more about Rain, about Queen, why Brooklyn was such a dick, more detail <laughs> on Bride's parents, more detail capital letters, on the woman she sent to jail for life yeah. <laughs> and how she came to accuse her. You're exactly right, Mary. I want to, let's get into her a little bit. Yeah. I mean, oh, talk yeah. about a, I mean, there's maybe five pages about her, maybe less, about her experience in jail. And I know it's not her story, it's Bride's path and story, but I I wanted to know more about, her. Sophia is her name, I think? I've forgotten. Yeah. I can't remember. Um, right. But that is a, I want to know more about that. Yeah. And how she... You know, figured out life post, you know, 
Was there even a resolve to like what happened to her? I can't even recall. Like she had one. Oh, she was working in a hospice, right? Yeah. Yes, but yeah, that yeah, was it. Yeah. Wasn't that like kind it of the conclusion there. of her yeah. unjust imprisonment? Yes. <laughs> was that she worked in a hospice and she just she I'm, was getting I, used to like yeah. enjoying systems again? Well, and it was also like I mean. I felt like Toni Morrison tried to make it cathartic by having her beat up Bride, and then after she was able to release all the rage, she was able to kind of move forward. Oh, that's right. But, but yeah. yeah, but see, but you had to remember that, and I feel like for a character like that to go back and be like, oh yeah, that's the catharsis. Mm-hmm. I feel like, well, that's not. At what point did you guys understand that um, Bride had sent her away falsely? I kind of thought not till late. Oh, really? I thought kind of early when she got beat up. Then I was like, oh, she fucked up, and that's why she got beat up. I just thought oh, she I was didn't... getting beat up, which is why the yeah. catha- catha- catharsis of her beating her up to me. I was like, what do you mean? Right. I don't understand where this uh, is coming right, from. Right, right, right. You didn't have that second piece to yeah, exactly. to plug it in. I guess I thought it was conspicuous in her retelling of it, the way that she'd sort of fingered this woman. Excuse me. But <laughs> <laughs> pointed this woman out. Um, but like sent her to prison it, without ever really clarifying that she'd seen her do I thought there mm-hmm. there was something deliberately left missing but it wasn't confirmed for me until the end when when she confessed it it is interesting to whether or not she she uh, accused this woman right it, w- it was a false accusation or a true one it is really interesting to hear a child's perspective or bride having these thoughts mm-hmm. about how empowering it felt not just to get the love of her mother but to do something like that and have all the parents and all these adults in this town admire you and cherish and sort of praise you for what you did. Right. Whenever you see those heartbreaking stories on the news, like about children who have to fucking testify, which is just devastating and something I'm sure you carry for the rest of your life, as Bride did, um, you wonder, at least I've wondered, like, what's, what happens after the news? Like, what happens after that oh, yeah. day? Mm-hmm. And how are they treated, like, you know, when they go to their... Girl Scout meeting or their Little League game the following day. Every parent in that town knows what happened and what this poor kid went through. But it's because of this kid's courage that, not in this case, in this book, but it's because of a a 10 or 11-year-old's courage that some, like a, you know... Some predators put away. I wonder mm. what what that. That's a diff, That's a whole other mm. different. And the book, thing is, the real predator didn't even get caught because it was the landlord who was molesting kids that right. she would yeah. spy on. Right. Oh, I didn't even put that together. I thought that he was just another molester in the world. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. he is, and he was just never caught. He just yeah. continued to molest until whatever. Well, they talk about another teacher too, like a male. It was like two males and one female. I think that mm. were doing. That were the predators in the school. Right. The alleged predators. Yeah. And it was very unclear as to like what actually happened yeah. like the, yeah. what the actual truth was because Bride it clearly made stuff up but the extent of the reality of whatever mm-hmm. did happen there was always very fuzzy this conversation goes perfectly into this email that I got from Rob um, Rob thank you so much for writing in um, God Help the Child is a great choice for your next read it's what, the, it's what they call searing most interesting to me was how Bride and Booker though not molested themselves absorbed the trauma of child predation predator predation Predation. Mm-hmm. Uh, that second over experience and the alienation from their parents over time, they grow into their victimization. In a small way, it reminds me of when I was 19 years old and I found out, along with the rest of the country, that one of the priests I'd been an altar boy under was a serial child abuser, mm-hmm. shuttled around by his superiors to avoid accountability. This happened in 
Boston, mm. a year and other cities. A year after his conviction, he was strangled by a fellow inmate because, as Sophia testifies in Chapter 9, pedophiles are at the bottom of the heap. I was never a target since, allegedly, he favored less well-off, read more susceptible boys, and I've already... And I had already had the vaunted college-induced atheist epiphany before the news broke. But this local instance of the Vatican's burgeoning child sex scandal captured my attention and disaffection with the religion turned into repugnance. That close call led me to react to the parade of exposés with a particular kind of rage. I wasn't quite entitled to it, but that it was real and mind-altering, and it's a very sore point uh, that the rest of my immediate family remains devoutly Catholic. Nowadays, under my... Unless my presence is absolutely mandatory at, say, a funeral, you won't catch me entering a church. Hmm. Uh, thank you, Rob, for running in and sharing that. Um, this this idea of abuse is it's a very difficult thing to talk about, and I feel again it was frustrating because I feel like Toni Morrison didn't do enough work. I wanted to know more. I, yeah, absolutely. What, what I what what really was on is in the front of my mind when I'm thinking about this book and if I'm describing this book to someone else is that we all have our own traumas and as children and as adults it doesn't escape us uh, even at the very end when these when these two decide to like go off and make a life and, mm-hmm. and try to you know get everything behind them I think the, I feel like it says they were in love and they thought this and then thought this and they thought this and the final sentence is yeah, a child, new life, immune to evil or illness, protected from kidnap, beatings, rape, racism, insult, hurt, self-loathing, abandonment, error-free, all goodness, minus wrath, so they believe. Mm. And yeah. it ends in just this ominous, like, nope, yeah. it'll always fucking follow you. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's what Morrison's sort of saying here. It's it sad. did feel that way, yeah. yeah. And, and, and then sort of to go back to the beginning – when, as you pointed out, like it's sweetness is the, is the beginning, and and it, she's talking about her behavior towards Bride, and which was not molestation. It was like the that she didn't touch her, she didn't give her any affection at all. Mm-hmm. And but it's like something like the first sentence of the book is it's not my fault, it's not my fault. Mm-hmm. It feels like the, from the very beginning she's kind of stating her case, like she understands on some level what she did, but also even in explaining herself, it's like we see the ramifications and the ways that Bride was hurt and then the other people who, who get hurt, like this cascade effect. But she's defending her sweetness, is defending herself and then also sort of trying to explain it was like out of a sense of wanting to protect her, like in an odd way. Yeah, yeah. When, it's like it brings us back to the end, end, but it's like despite your best of intentions, right. like you're – Yes, you are damaging your child yeah, in ways exactly. you don't understand. Yeah, it's inevitable. Yeah. And then so it was interesting to me that the final chapter, or close to the end, was sweetness then expressing like a small amount of regret. We finally hear the word regret from her. And I, I just, you know, considering, I have no idea but that, that Toni Morrison is 84, which I didn't know. But, you know, it's mm-hmm. like it, it's it's potentially also a, you know, a, a looking back of like, you know, Absol- as a, a parent, you know? Absolutely. And, and finally feeling some some regret. Yeah, I wonder if I wonder if that's the. I don't know if if she's married or if she's had children. I, 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 she has a son, I think. Yeah. Well, she has or a son who's a writer, son. doesn't she? Have a, he died, I believe. Oh, that's right. Oh. That's right. Yeah. I feel like she co-wrote. She may a, have more children, but I'm not. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's take another quick break, and we'll come back and finish it up. Uh, you're listening to Reading Aloud. It's a book club. We're talking about God help the child. I love the mail. I love getting mail especially if my mailbox is full of healthy snacks, which you can get at graze.com, people. Yes, tasty, 
healthy snacks sent right to your home. Perfectly portioned packs, great for on the go, treating yourself without overdoing it. Pure fruit and nut mixes, aromatic broths, cookie dippers, you know, there's over a hundred unique snack creations that they send right to your house. Uh, triple berry smoothie with a medley of dried berries and bananas, a half a cup of fruit in that. Campfire s'mores, I like those. Whole grain banana shortbread dippers with caramel sauce, only 150 calories. If you want these things, they will send them to you. You sign up, you browse, and you rate all the snacks that you like. You handpick a personalized box with the tasty preferences and the dietary requirements that you need, and it ships right to you. And it's approved by their in-house nutritionist and contains no GMOs, artificial flavors, or trans fat. So you can feel great about what you're snacking on. So go to graze.com, G-R-A-Z-E.com now and get a free trial box that includes four of their top-rated and most delicious snacks. And use my special code NATE. That's graze.com, code NATE, for your free box. Get yourself some snacks. We're back. Uh, we are in Act 3 of the book club. We're talking about Toni Morrison's God Help the Child. Uh, I feel like we're all on the same page yeah. about how we felt about this book. But you guys were just mentioning how, uh, Al, you were reading this while you were watching... Um, the Mad Men. Mad Men, yeah. yeah. And there were similarities in the... Well, getting um, lost in the... Yeah, just Spoiler getting, alert, everybody. Spoiler, guys, cover your ears mm-hmm. if, you, if you haven't uh, watched the last two episodes of Mad Men. But it felt, you know, like this journey, getting lost in the woods, wrapping your car around a tree. It was like the similarities were very interesting Yeah, I could see that for sure. We're like the searching for something yeah. bigger, some sort of answer. Mm-hmm. Um, Leaving I, your dream job. Yeah, to and your entire find, life, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned some sort of Game of Thrones. Oh, like you yeah. Felt like you well, were. <laughs> yeah. What I was saying uh, during the break was like I was reading the novel, and then all of a sudden I just felt like it broke into like these Game of Thrones torture scenes that you sometimes see where the tension is really ramped up, and it just it just it became so violent so quickly. Like yeah. when uh, Booker's uh, brother Adam, they found the body, and, and, he, oh, and yeah, he was like yeah. naked, yeah. and he was his like the, there were maggots in his and, uh, eye socket. Maggots were plump, and I'm just like, like I was Christ. not expecting. I just was so out of not. So out of the blue, but I was just like, whoa, I was not expecting the level of violence that was going to be described. It was not mentally ready for yeah. And it was, I mean, and it worked because it was very jarring, but I was just like, whoa. Same thing with the, uh, the landlord uh, raping that Ugh, little kid. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. And I was just Christ. like, that was awful. yeah. And I was just like, oh, just Game of Thrones gets kind of like the, like those aspects of it just kind yeah. of just like break just in all of a sudden. smack of the reader. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you think it's as, do you think it was just for shock value or like? I don't think just for shock value. I think she wants to have this idea of like the trauma that's inflicted in all oh, different ways yeah and so you need if you if you want to display it then you need to display it effectively and I think she does do that yeah, yeah, yeah. those scenes for me I mean they're they're very stark and again it's not like the prose is overwrought it's very um, mm. it's very controlled which makes the horror of it for me feel much more um, real yeah, the way mm-hmm. the way accidents or uh, disasters would just happen all of a sudden, and all of a sudden we were getting caught up to them as opposed to seeing them unfold. Yeah, yeah. You know, she's already in a tree, wrapped around a tree. She's already um, the house is already up in flames. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, it that was maybe my, her most effective like mm. literary technique yeah, for yeah. me, at least in the book. Right, because it made me have to stop and like 
dial back a little bit, go back a, f- a little bit, and yeah, yeah, the see speed with which you happening. were going, yeah, to, yeah the speed mm-hmm. that you're reading it at. Yeah. Can we talk a little bit about this? The woods and living with a hippie couple, like what? What the? F- why was that there? <laughs> six weeks. Not only, she, yeah, she's living with a hippie couple in the woods for six weeks, and being they're a com- brat. Being a total brat, and they're, they're, this family's unconnected to civilization completely. Mm-hmm. Like that was such a specific choice yeah. that Toni Morrison made, and I'm I don't know why. Why did she put Bride through this, and why would these two people? I mean, I get why Rain is there, right? But these two—they're former hippies. They don't have a fucking television or a radio. Yeah. There's no. Uh, there's no phone. There. Why? Why was Bride? It's losing her breasts and no hair left, and why would why did this all happen in the in the woods? I, I'm so strange. I just didn't understand why we went there, and I wondered why Morrison made that choice to have this happen to her and to have her surrounded by these people. Um, obviously, it's about Bride's character, so it, it this must show Bride in a different way to have her reflected on these new people who are mm-hmm. completely unlike anyone else in the story. Right. I just didn't know what what it got us. Seems like Bride's like a little bit of a love addict um, or like a sex addict in a way. Mm-hmm. And it felt like she was going to rehab kind of like alone in the woods with these people that she didn't know. Mm. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. my, that was my, yeah. I mean, it felt like she, she had worked so hard to reinvent herself. And then when she had that accident, she was who she really is. Mm-hmm. You take away all the makeup, you take away all the money. And who is she? And she was still in that scared girl you know, phase of her life. Yeah, that, she was that, like a baby. And, like you know, a, going back to the idea of the fairy tale idea of it, I, I kind of like putting that um, that sort of parameters upon it because then, then it makes a little more sense to me. If you can think of this not as like an, a, a traditional modern-day story, but if you think of it as a fairy tale told from a lot of different perspectives, mm, mm-hmm. then, then I think a lot of the things, you just rejigger your expectations in such a way, and it, it, I, I think it works better because then, I mean, then naturally you're in the woods and a lot of these right. elements be like, okay, I could, like things connect a little bit more easily, and I think that's a really good... Mm. Um, I guess uh, it's not a metaphor, but just a, a perception about it. Yeah, mm. yeah. Can we talk about this shaving brush for a minute? Oh, and what yeah, the significance yeah. of this brush was? What the fuck was that? Yeah, <laughs> so interesting. I don't get it. <laughs> just, where does that wind it? up? Does she give it to Rain? At yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. In one of Rain's chapters, she reveals that. And then the black mi- lady friend gave her this brush, and her dad doesn't want it because he has a beard, so she kept it. But I don't think she got the same. Titillation and right. warmth from it, but uh, what the fuck was that about? Yeah, yeah. how come? I mean, Tony, how come? I mean, have you, have you brushed Why, with Tony? the with the thing like that? Though uh, it's, it's very nice. rarely. It's, very it's, nice. it's, it's a lathering, you know. Just I mean, it's also like touch. You know, me. Bride yeah. is desperate for oh. something to touch her for for to to be touched. Oh. I think it's her only reminder of the last person who she felt secure with. So it's an extension of Booker touching her, basically. Yeah, mm. I, I think it okay. must be. All right, I guess. Also, when you yeah. just said that about Rain's chapter, I was reminded of she also gets assaulted by somebody in Rain's chapter too, and then just never talks about it, right? Who does? Uh, Bride does. Something happens. Is that when with, she protects Rain? With Rain she, and Bride. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's never. She's get, she yeah. gets she shot. Hear, exactly. Right. Someone <laughs> she gets shot. shoots that's what her. Oh, right. That's right. And it's never. We never hear about it again. In, this, in the span of like <laughs> Sam, this book. <laughs> Sam. Sam. Sorry. I'm sorry. Explain to us why she was shot in the arm. And then just like took the buckshot at it. Look, guys. I wrote that chapter real quick. Okay. <laughs> I didn't have a lot of time. Uh, Sam's. 
<laughs> Toni Morrison. Sam, yeah, Sam mm-hmm. is actually right. It's under the name Toni Morrison. Uh, <laughs> she yeah. gets in in this in the span of what like seventy pages. She gets beat up by a, a, a you know falsely convicted woman, Con- yeah, a right. convict. She gets shot. She gets in a car accident. Um, she loses her breasts. I mean, her yeah. pubic hair, her Poor underarm woman. hair, her earlobes, yeah, her, her earlobes ear close up. Yeah, and that. That scene where she got shot, I think that that was in Rain's chapter, right? So yeah. it's being yeah. told from Rain's perspective. And what was interesting, too, is I, at, towards the end of that chapter, Rain sort of identifies Bride as the woman she sees as her protector. She wishes she wouldn't leave. This is the woman who's, who rescues her, mm-hmm. which also made me wonder, what are we supposed to think now of these hippies who, in theory, I mean, rescued Rain, but also in this very – it's like they took her from mm-hmm. a, a horrible situation where right. she was clearly being abused, but then don't – seem to address that in yeah. her life no, at all. No, they don't all. take it to the police or sort of child services. Yeah. They just take Rain into the woods and make her their Steal own. Steal her. Yeah. Yeah. Her. I don't, yeah, just, again, with the payoff, I was just like, yeah. I mean, I don't know, just, um, I, I implicitly trusted that everything was going to pay off in some way, and I was just like, I don't know. It just was like, okay, I guess we're done with the hippies. That was weird. <laughs> <laughs> right? She's her leg heels, and she's like, I'm out. And then she's just like, wait a minute. You just, I have all this emotional, like, connection in some capacity. You make them very sympathetic, and, you know, they don't, they, they're very, uh, they're very nurturing, and then they're done. Especially in a book where you're paying so much attention between, uh, paying so much attention to the things that parents do to children. Yeah. I wonder yeah, yeah, what, yeah. like, why mm-hmm. the hip, what the, what the hippies were doing to Rain, like, what right. that was, mm-hmm. what kind right. of damage that was. Absolutely. Because she said oh, she loved yeah, it, yeah. you know, she yeah. said she, that was the best place in the world for her. But she described herself as being stolen. And she also said, like, I used to want to kill them, but I yeah. don't want to kill them anymore. <laughs> yeah. I forgot about that. I want to stay there. Yeah. I forgot she wants yeah. to kill wants to them. Kill them. Yeah. <laughs> Not, like, run away, like, murder. Fucking murder the hippies. Like, yeah. little kids have really violent tendencies. It's true. Totally. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's only black and white. Yeah. I want to love you forever. I want to put you in the ground. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, there's one little just very subtle thing that I really liked about this book that um, I love that, and this is so unique, that Booker became a better trumpeter when he fell when he fell in love oh, with yeah. Bride, and yeah. it's so always the opposite way. Like so many artists need pain and like despair. Like you have to feel the blues to be a good blues guitarist. Like you have to go through so much shit and and then get it out in your music. And he was like a, just a subpar, unexceptional trumpeter, mm-hmm. and then love made him a better musician. Mm-hmm. But did it though, because didn't he play the trumpet for Queen's burial, uh, burial? Burial. Burial. Yes. What is wrong with me? Yes, and it, it's, And then he, he said just threw he, the trumpet away. He's just like, I'm not very good. Yes, but when he, when he first, there's a passage in the book, I wish I knew where it was, but when he says, um, do I have this marked? Primitive backwards people, black cat, black lady, Booker's economy, <laughs> thesis, thesis childhood. No, I don't have it here. Oh. Um, but he says when he first saw her, the night that he, the next night that he played, it was the best that he had ever played. Okay. And I just thought that was great to say mm-hmm. like, well, actually, it's not all darkness that motivates artists. Mm-hmm. It can actually be love mm-hmm. that can make you a better creative person. I've never heard that take. I've only heard the opposite. Like a great stand-up comedian has to go through fucking horrible trauma and an awful life to be yeah. a great comedian but you don't need that yeah, I don't know, it was a very small subtle thing yeah, and I, yeah. I kind of bought into that yeah um, I really loved actually like I, I didn't like the way Booker and Bride played out the message that it sent I suppose but um, I love that 
when you finally when you hear Bride describe Booker, you assume that he doesn't love her, yes, and that she's wasting her time on some man, and then some distant, some cold. distant yeah, cold yeah. guy who's not ready for her or worthy of her. And then when you hear him describe her, you realize that he's just a hurt human too. I, right, I love the way exactly. that, that unfolded. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of great too. Um, there's a really there's a nice little I don't know if this is I would say maybe this is sort of the thesis of the book in my opinion. It's on page one thirty four. It's uh, uh, Booker. I think it's Booker's chapter, um, talking about Bride. Once in a while, she dropped the hip, thrillingly successful corporate woman facade of complete control and confessed some flaw or painful memory of childhood. And he, knowing all about how childhood cuts festered and never scabbed over, comforted her while hiding the rage he felt at the idea of anyone hurting her. Mm. Childhood cuts festered and never scabbed over. Mm. And it seems like that that's what I take from this book, that Toni Morrison thinks that these traumas never scab. And I, I don't know, I, like even at the end, it just seems like... That's so dark. I know. And I know. it's just that's so, it's so uh, yeah, it's so, um, it's just not very hopeful. And no, I feel like that's not a positive way to live life. Mm-hmm. No, um, that's for fucking sure. You know, it's just, at the, I don't know, yeah. This is kind of a bummer. <laughs> I'm trying to like think about the book and think about the characters and see if there are any examples where that's not the case. But I can't really. I mean, Rain is maybe the closest. She seems like she's healing herself in a way, mm-hmm. at least. Mm-hmm. How old you? did you see her, her being in the book? Like nine. Yeah, about nine was nine, what I saw. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Nine and shot at. Yeah. Fuck. Right? <laughs> she so says. strange. Well, we'll uh, we will wrap up this book club, um, and I wanted to just give you guys an option for any final thoughts that you had about. Uh, would this have been a book that you would have normally picked up and read? Any of you guys? No. I, no, for you, Kevin. I probably yeah. would have like taken it after my mom read it or something. Yeah. yeah. Right. What about you, Emily? Yeah, I think I I had been hearing about it before we got in touch. I'd been hearing about it and thought I'd like to read it. But it was also because I hadn't read, you know, it was, I read Beloved 20 years ago and thought, oh, I haven't read any Toni Morrison. I want to change my answer to yes now since you, <laughs> you said yes. <laughs> <laughs> but that, okay? But there is a lot of surrealness in um, in Beloved, right, from what I remember. There's a lot of, like, yeah. magic stuff and ghosts. Because and, um, in Beloved, uh, spoiler alert, um, I think that <laughs> Beloved kills her baby and then it's reincarnated in yes. the spirit of mm-hmm. the, like this young person. And haunts her, sort and, of. And, and haunts the husband who is like sexually attracted. Oh. And then there's there's right. like some of that aspect. Danny Glover in the movie, I believe. I didn't see the movie. I think it was Oprah Winfrey. I didn't believe Oprah you're right. Her? I think so. Mm-hmm. And then at this the end, yeah, but ago. there was just, there was so much more there. And for me, even though it was very bleak, at least... I felt like, oh man, I really, I really got something out of it, and I mm. feel like just here, I didn't really get as much, mm-hmm. and that was disappointing. Yeah, yeah. I think. I, sorry. I, I do. I um. I agree that uh, you know, I didn't put this book down and think like, great, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go shopping and go for a hike. I mean, it wasn't <laughs> like it, it wasn't that kind of uplifting, <laughs> but I did. I definitely didn't. I, I didn't mind that it didn't build towards like some sort of like false sense mm-hmm. of like everything's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. I think it certainly, you know, absolutely stuck to <laughs> to the yeah. you know, taking the 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 take being, you know, 
I mean, I, they quote it in the book jacket, like what we do to children matters, or I'm now I'm probably misquoting it, no, but, but no, you know, that being yeah. from Sweetness's perspective, but then just that we do, we carry these burdens. Actually, Booker, I think there's like a visual image at one point. His, oh, it's a beautiful it might be thing, Queen yeah. who says it. Someone yeah. says it to him that like he's literally carrying oh. the corpse of his oh, brother. Because yeah. that, used to, be a, that yeah. used to be a punishment. A murderer would mm-hmm. have to carry the dead body on on their back yeah their, his or her back that's a great that's a great image that is a crazy yeah, image yeah. Yeah. Um, when she said he's tired uh, he's tired of uh he's tired of being in your life or yeah, something like that yeah, yeah yeah i think we're all go ahead Ellen. um yeah i i i really i did feel a little you know like this didn't feel necessarily like everything that i expected from tony morrison but i did really enjoy it but the i think one thing we didn't touch on and it was the most unbelievable thing for me I guess in the book was that she that bride and um, Brooklyn had this friendship that was so obviously false to me and yeah. that mm. bride had no clue that Brooklyn wasn't a good friend I don't know that just rang so like well, she, bride this you know beautiful savvy intelligent person who's made so much of her life yeah didn't know that this person was a backstabber is so funny to me it seems like she hinted at it i, I saw that she hinted at it in a little really? in the beginning saying like oh she's she's probably angling to take over this job or she's probably hoping that i stay out for another week so she can be the you know mm-hmm. vice president or mm-hmm. something but it wasn't explicit mm-hmm. and that ridiculous scene where they're having drinks and she confesses to her like what she did mm-hmm. it just that was i didn't believe it really yeah, either yeah. and i wasn't sure what we got from her yeah, from that character. I don't, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and, and plus her name's Brooklyn. Right. I mean, not to <laughs> de- de- denigrate others who are named Brooklyn and might be listening and just, uh, for this character, I wasn't caring for that name. Yeah. I did think it was interesting when in the early chapter, before we meet Brooklyn, I think the first time we see her is she shows up to pick up Ride, who's just gotten the crap beaten out of her. And, yeah, right. and, and she says, like, I called Brooklyn. I knew I could trust her completely. And mm-hmm. that was the end of the chapter. And then right. she shows him the first thing she does is lie to her about yeah. what happened. Right. And it, mm-hmm. it's sort of, I think from the beginning, you're like questioning their, their and, friendship. And the first thing that Brooklyn says in her chapter is that she lied. She's lying to me. Yeah. I know this is bullshit. There's, mm-hmm. I know she wasn't. This is all, I don't know the fucking truth. Both of them. That's a terrible friendship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> Everything's terrible. Everything's terrible. Um, thank you for listening to this book club. God help the child. Um, <laughs> Everything's terrible. I hope you guys <laughs> uh, get outside. Um, get some fresh air. Go for a walk. Maybe this is like a go for a hike. Go buy. Go buy something. Mm, go yeah, consume. Yeah. Get a get a get some candy. Yeah. Go get some get some Sweet, gobstoppers. Some sweetness. Yeah. Some sweetness. Oh boy. Um, <laughs> Emily Halpern and Kevin Awakuni and Ellie Woods, thank you so much for joining me today and sharing your perspectives sure. on this book. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Really glad me. you guys came. Um, it is now that time in the podcast where we announce the next book, the June book for the uh, for the book club. It's uh, very different. We are switching gears, as I like to do. We are reading Stephen King's. Ooh. 112263. Oh. The time traveling wow. book about the guy going back in time trying mm. to prevent. That was the Kennedy one, right? JFK's assassination. Yeah. Everyone who has read this said it's like his best book in 10 years. Oh. Um, and they're making it into a movie, and Ooh. James 
Franco is Aww. playing the star, oh which is kind of, of a, which is kind of a shame. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it has un- <laughs> it has unbelievable, um, like um, just spectacular reviews, and it comes highly recommended. And I haven't read anything of Stephen King in, since like I read. Uh, God, what's the one with the with the vampires? Um, Salem's Lot. Yeah, Salem's Lot, like five years ago. So I'm excited to dig into some new Stephen King and uh, see how it is. So go and but it's long, so uh, start reading super long immediately. Um, Eleven twenty two sixty three is the title. It's Stephen King. It came out, I believe, three or four years ago. Um, but people love this book, so pick it up. Um, thanks again to my guests. Thank you guys for reading this book and coming in and chatting, chatting about it. Um, we'll be back next week with a brand new episode of Reading Aloud. My name's Nate Cordry. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Oh, you hit me like a hurricane. Graze.com delivers tasty and nutritious snacks right to your house or to your work. Wherever you want it to get mailed, it's sent to you. Perfectly proportioned and ready for on-the-go snacking. No GMOs, artificial flavors, or trans fats. You can feel good about what you're snacking on. And you can choose from over 100 unique snack creations and rate all the snacks that you like or don't like. And you sign up to help them handpick a personalized box of snacks. Graze.com. G-R-A-Z-E dot com. Go there now and get a free trial box that includes four of their top-rated snacks. And use my special code, Nate. Don't forget that. That's graze.com, G-R-A-Z-E dot com, and type in Nate for a free box of snacks. Thank you, Graze. Pop. Pop? Pop. 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 Wolf Pop is part of Midroll Media, executive produced by Adam Sachs, Matt Gorley, and Paul Shear.